Welcome to the MLB Extra Chicago White Sox podcast. I'm Anthony Kastrovitz, joined by Scott Merkin. And Merk, before we go any further, you got to take your medicine, man. What happened to the Michigan Wolverines in Columbus on Saturday? Yeah, my sources tell me that I was mentioned by you in another podcast uh, in relation to Bryce Harper's guest. Bryce Harper, by the way, a heck of a week for him uh, as the guest uh, prognosticator. I think he went 11-2 and two on the weekend uh, for, right? wow. for the ESPN. Yeah, I think he's the new leader in the clubhouse. But, hey, I understand he's got to pick. Uh, you know, His wife went there. But the only thing he said wrong was that he thought Michigan was the better team, but Ohio State was going to win, and clearly that was not the case. So, man, it, it was one of those games where even as high-strung and as crazy I get about Michigan sports, it was over. I mean, yeah. they, they made a little run at halftime because the kid fumbled the kickoff and they scored two touchdowns in six seconds. But once they had their normal little conservative three and out to start the second half, I kind of figured that was it. It was hard to really get too worked up because the, the game was such a rout. But, hey, you know – as we're taping this, the number seven-ranked basketball team from Michigan takes on uh, number 11 from North Carolina Wednesday night. So we're, we're really a basketball school when it comes right down to it. <laughs> you turn the page quickly. That's important uh, after I, a, I will a say, Jim, like that. Jim, Jim Harbaugh, I forgot. What, Jim Harbaugh, I think, was one year ahead of me at Michigan. And the year he did guarantee them to win, he did win when he was a player. But he made okay. no guarantees, luckily, this year because it would have been <laughs> wrong. So. Yeah, uh, an uneven, a mixed bag this season. Uh, Ten yes. two, but uh, quite yeah, a, made a good year. But yeah, they lost the the two most. At, well, I mean, I guess you could argue Penn State and Michigan State were pretty important in Wisconsin, but the two biggest games, the start and finish, they lost. Unfortunately, that'll happen. That'll happen, Merck. But uh, yes. let's talk a little White Sox. I guess some people want to hear sure, about the White not? Sox and not just our thoughts. Yeah, on, might as well, right? On, the, on Michigan football, but we do, we all do right, another so, po- podcast on Michigan, maybe <laughs> someday. <laughs> Uh, so Friday is the non-tender deadline across MLB, and uh, I believe last time we spoke about the possibility of the White Sox shopping Avi Garcia in advance of that deadline, but um, perhaps, uh, because the deal has not gone down to date, uh, perhaps he's a non-tender candidate given uh, his salary and, and his performance in 2018. What do you think? You know, Avi Garcia is a really interesting case because he was the guy they originally acquired as in the three-team deal that sent Jake Peavy to Boston and... Uh, Iglesias to Detroit as kind of the beginning of their first rebuild. But for lack of a better word, that rebuild didn't take. And they kind of went back in trying to win and it didn't happen. And then they, you know, went full in on the rebuild. And he's got an immense amount of talent. And I know they discussed this before. I really believe before his big year, I guess it would have been 2017. I think he was close or being looked at being non-tender then. And all he did was come up and hit 330 with 80 RBIs and 18 home runs. Now, last year he talked about, you know, hurting his knee in that first series of the year at Kansas city and kind of playing with it off and on all year and compensating for the knee led to hamstring injuries. So I will say that, you know, he had an excuse in terms of that he was playing hurt, but you know, the question is how does he fit going in? This is the last year they have contractual control over him. And as I think we talked about last time, Anthony, you know, do you extend him? Do you non-tender him? Do you keep him and see what you can get as the year goes on? I will say from what I was told, from what I heard, during that big year, during that breakout year where he was the lone all-star for the White Sox in 17, there was not a lot of outside interest in terms of trade-wise for Avi. So I don't know if people still are not sold on him. And, of course, having the year he had last year, even though he did show some power, you know, when he was healthy, doesn't help any. But, you know, I think he's a guy who can help teams. And people forget he's not a very – he's not an old player because of the fact that, you know, he had – I think he had 50 at-bats in his major league regular season career for Detroit 
when he started his first game in the World Series for Detroit. So he's been around a while, but he's not. it doesn't mean he's like my age. Well, no one's my age, but it doesn't mean that he's, you know, 35 or 40. He's still got a lot of good years ahead of him. And people who follow him on Instagram, as I do in the offseason, he's he's getting after it this offseason. So he's getting himself ready. So, yeah, it's, it's really hard to say for all those reasons. I just kind of made a case for and against, especially because they have a lot of great outfielders coming up and there's been, you know, rumors here and there linking them to pursuit of Bryce Harper, et cetera, and not just Bryce Harper, but there could be other outfielders. So it, 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 you weigh the whole thing. And I, I, the bottom line is I think you make the move, but in the back of your mind, you worry about at the end of the 2019 season, seeing a guy who hit 280 with 35 home runs too, because that capability is there for Avi Garcia. Yeah, I mean, he, he showed it in, in 2017. By the way, Merck, you are the same age as Jim Harbaugh, as you pointed out. So there, that you got that going for you, or roughly the same age. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, outside of 2017, Avi's been, you know, replacement level player. But uh, we did see that, uh, you know, terrific year, very productive year, all-star year. And so that does linger in the back of your mind. I, I, the White Sox have so much payroll space that... You know, it's a gamble they can take. Um, so MLB trade rumors estimates Gar—they they estimate Garcia at eight million dollars for 2019, and that's a gamble the White Sox can afford. Right. Just to just to be specific, sorry to interrupt. Just to be specific. He's going to be 28 this. I looked it up. He's going to be 28 this summer. So again, it's not like you know people get a little too caught up. I think in this rebuild thing where you have to have, you know. Every guy's got to be 20 to 22. You're going to need older players. And I mean, even players older than Avi for, for people who laugh and kind of make fun of the quote unquote mentor thing. Now, granted the mentor has got to be a guy who can get, you know, produce too at some level, take a look at social media yesterday after Brian McCann left Houston and look at the just litany of players who he played with, who talked about what a positive effect that guy had on a championship team. So I, I, and again, he was far from the featured guy on the Astros, but he also was a contributor so, again, I don't know if Avi is that guy in the clubhouse, but you're right. They, they do have room, and I guess it's it's just a big puzzle you're trying to put together to figure out, well, if we have him, what if we get him, then what do we do type of thing. So, yeah, I suppose he could slide in a DH spot too, but it'll be an interesting call. And the rest of the guys seem pretty much like, you know, in terms of uh, arbitration eligible, Abreu, Yomer Sanchez, Carlos Rodon, Matt Davidson, Leury Garcia. Maybe Luyuri is a guy who could, you know, be on the borderline in terms of non-tender, but I think all of them would will be tender aside from Avi. And Abreu uh, going to command a, a pretty penny at this stage of arbitration. Yeah, and Abreu is a guy I was just talking about in terms of, uh, you know, McCann. I, I, I get it that he doesn't, you know, speak English fluently. He understands it pretty well at this point, but he doesn't speak it fluently. But he's a guy who really influences some of the younger guys on that team. And he, and besides that. When he's healthy, and he had a weird end to last year with some, you know, the the crazy injuries. He had a, you know, had surgery for to relieve testicular torsion, and then he had an infection in his leg. That, you know, this is a guy who prides himself on going out there. I think at the minimum, let's say, 150, 152 games a year, and missed most of the last month of the season. So, and when he was playing, he wasn't 100 percent really. So he's a great middle of the order hitter on top of it. And as uh, Mark Feinstein, our great one of our great columnists, mentioned that. You know, they, they don't even really need to sign him to an extension this year. If they take him through the year and don't do anything, they could offer him the qualifying offer, you know, get back what they what they get when if he leaves. And if he takes the offer, it still would be probably pretty commensurate with what he'd make through arbitration next year. With, with, with a one-year deal, I'm sorry, he won't be in arbitration next year. What I'm saying is what he makes this year in arbitration, what a one-year deal would probably come down to with Jose. So, you know, 
he's a great guy to have. And again, he may be a guy who they look to move during the season if he has a great year. Already, Jerry Reinsdorf had one of the best quotes he had about this. One of the best couple quotes he had about this rebuild was one of them was he said, you got to get like, you know, 20 players to make sure five or six pan out, which is true. And number two is the only untouchable he's ever had in his ownership tenure wore number 23 for the Bulls. And that's pretty clear when you trade Chris Sale, right? So, I mean, Jose is beloved there. He's a huge part of the organization. He's going to be a huge part of the organization. We'll see what happens in terms of, you know, short-term, long-term, whether he sticks through the season extension or what goes on. But, yeah, he's going to make, you know, the MLB trade rumors, arbitration projection has him at $16 million. But, again, as you pointed out, Anthony, they certainly have the, the payroll room to, to take him on. Man, the only untouchable award, number 23 for the Bulls. I'm surprised he'd say that about Mike Bratz. Um, I'd like to thank Basketball Reference for allowing me to research that very quickly while you were talking about it. Um, so you wrote a bit about Zach Collins. Uh, he was the White Sox top pick in 2016, a catcher. And what are the chances that he's going to be with this ball club come opening day 2019? Well, you know, he has the attitude, and, and, and it's a great attitude, that, you know, why should he just say, well, I'm going to be up in the middle of the year or the end of next year? He wants to be ready to break camp with the team out of spring training. Now, they have Wellington Castillo and Omar Narvaez is coming off a great year offensively in place behind the plate. So I'm not sure if that's going to happen at the outset. But the thing that's interesting about Collins is he's come a long way handling pitchers behind the plate, throwing the ball, just calling a game, which is really important. It was he, I, I compare him a little bit to Tyler Flowers, who's now – with the Braves, with Brian McCann catching, as we talked about McCann earlier, and that he came in as kind of a, a guy who everyone knew was going to hit Zach Collins. And that was the the word on Tyler Flowers when he came to the Sox. When he came there, they said you could put him in the lineup right away as an offensive player. And I think Collins is the same way, but he's improved so much defensively that he's made himself a well-rounded player now. I, I, they still look at him as the catcher of the future, but I would not be surprised to see him come up earlier than maybe some people project in 2019 if he continues to progress as he has. And not only catch, but also see time at first base, see time at DH, and a little bit of everything there just to get in that, that bat in the lineup. It's, it's a valuable piece right now. The guy had, you know, he only hit 234 combined, or not, I'm sorry, no combined in 2018 for Birmingham in 2018, but he did have a 382 OBP and a 786 OPS. So, you know, it's a guy who I, people think is going to be better when he gets to the majors and sees a more consistent strike zone. They don't want him to chase things in the minors and change his approach. But once he gets to a more strike and strike zone that's kind of set for the most part, sometimes it varies a little, as we know, in the majors, they think he'll benefit from that. So, Merck, uh, we all know there's there's been so much hubbub about Manny Machado and Bryce Harper as it pertains to the White right. Sox. And those markets right. take time to develop. And who knows? It, I'm, I'm guessing nothing happens with those guys before the winter meetings and maybe not during the winter meetings. But um, as far as the White Sox approach right now in free agency – you know, we, we have not heard much about pretty much any team as far as tangible uh, free agent movement outside of what the Braves did on Monday. But um, what, what is going to be what's the priority right now, would you say, as we wait for Machado and Harper to develop? Or are they looking at pitching primarily? Yeah, you know, we'll see if you know, the Donaldson and McCann signings kind of move things forward a little bit. But I, as yeah. you said, I think what's really going to move things forward is when Harper and Machado kind of pick their their final destination and the thing is teams that are interested in them can't wait forever right I mean they have to kind of move on and you hope that you still have the flexibility when you add another piece or two that you can add you know you can bring this elite guy in yeah I think you know Rick Hahn as we've talked about before great uh 
I don't know if he's a great poker player. I've never played poker with him, but he he portrays himself as that in terms of his comments publicly. And the only thing he said for sure is they need pitching. You know, they they they're going to probably get a couple starting pitchers. As we talked about, they have Lopez, Giolito, and Rodon going into the season. Dylan Cease, who is the MLB Pipeline Minor League Pitcher of the Year, is coming fast and could be up. You know, later in the season. But I think they're going to get you know a major guy who can, and this may be through trade but who can fit in now and with the rebuild to come probably get another guy who can, you know, eat some innings and then at least one reliever, at least one veteran reliever. I'm not saying it's going to be a Craig Kimbrough or a Cody Allen to step in his closer, but a guy who can work those, the, the back end of the open. So I think that's their priority, but I think they have their eye open to other things. Now, again, they may not get Machado. They may not get Harper. I'm sure they're going to go after both of them, you know, get one or the other, but it doesn't mean they're not going to make moves this offseason. I really do believe that in 2019, you're, you may not see a team contending, although who knows in the AL Central, but you're going to see a team that's greatly improved over the last two seasons. Well, I, I agree they need pitching, Merck, although I will point out that Lucas Giolito did have the same number of wins as the NL Cy Young Award winner in 2018. So Yeah, yeah. I, I, feel, I feel bad for Giolito because he's being used as <laughs> the uh, – you know, that, that's, that's another discussion for another podcast, but I, I do think that the win for a pitcher does have some value – but I do think there are cases where it doesn't mean anything, such as Jacob DeGrom, such as a reliever who comes in and blows a 2 nothing lead in one-third of an inning for a starter, and then they yeah. rally and win in the bottom and gets the win. But I do think – I remember talking to Chris Sale about this and that you know starters who – maybe DeGrom is the example that, that proves the point wrong, but starters who go deeper into the game, which are few and far between at this point, give themselves a better chance to get wins in the game, and that increases their values. Well, Lucas Giolito and the Wolves, uh, Wolverines both had 10 wins. There you go, Mark. <laughs> All right, good stuff as always. And uh, Scott, thanks for doing this. We'll talk to you again soon. All right, Anthony.